future friends. Welcome to the Beyond Measure podcast. This is a listener-supported show that provides Studio Music Teacher World with a much-needed weekly shout-out of solidarity. I am your host, Christina Whitlock, here to serve as your anytime piano teacher friend. If you believe this show enhances your teacher life, hey, I'd like to invite you to check out the Beyond Measure Patreon page, where you can support this work for just $3. That small amount keeps ads off of this show, so you don't need to listen to me talk about insurance companies or vitamins or whatever other things I may or may not actually use myself. Maybe that doesn't even matter to you, I don't know, but it matters to me. Anyway, on with the show. You are listening to episode 143 of the Beyond Measure podcast. Cheers to metronome musings. Well, friends, this is actually a little bit of a departure from my usual subject matter, but we're getting technical today. I've had this idea for a while now where we re-examine the standard tools and elements of the music lesson, so I figured maybe this week we'll just go for it. Are you game? (laughs) I hope so, because today we are talking about the metronome. (laughs) Oh boy. I know you probably have a lot of thoughts or feelings about the metronome, for better or for worse, and you've probably come to some kind of stance on the role that it plays in your lessons already. Some of you insist on students using the metronome almost from day one. Some of you find it to be akin to some kind of torture device, and you believe it drains the musicality out of everything it touches. (laughs) But if you know me, you know that I love to make teachers think about the things we do. Not because I'm determined to get you to change your mind. I mean, I don't even claim to have the right answer to anything on this show. The more important lesson here is to take time to intentionally evaluate the decisions that we come to in our instruction. We need to make sure that we consider why we use the tools we do, or perhaps why we don't. So if you have big feelings about the metronome and you are already building some kind of argument against something you think I'm going to say in this episode, (laughs) well, just so you know, I am not trying to convince you of anything. I just want you to think about this with me, okay? (laughs) Our minds are open, right? (laughs) All right. So, the metronome. There are many reasons to hate it, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't think there are many of us out there who just love playing with the metronome. Although, I will say, for a player like me, 
who constantly overthinks her tempo choices, it does provide a nice sense of accountability, and it takes away my Achilles heel of overthinking that particular aspect of my playing. And that actually brings me to my first point about the metronome. It is simply an accountability tool. The metronome offers no magical corrective powers. (laughs) Playing with the metronome is not going to fix rhythmic errors or wonky tempo fluctuations, okay? (laughs) Rather, I look at the metronome as simply confirming how on track I am or my students are. We all know what students say when they're frustrated with the metronome, right? (laughs) They say, I can't play with the metronome. It messes me up. I like to point out to students that, you know, in the most loving way possible, (laughs) that's just not true. Instead, the metronome is simply making them aware of their mistakes and the weak areas of their pulse. Their inconsistencies are still there without it, but the metronome casts a very clear spotlight right on those issues. Again, it provides accountability. But let's take a moment and think about the things that need to be in place before metronome work is going to be truly beneficial, shall we? As I said earlier, the metronome is not going to fix rhythmic issues. If your student doesn't have a firm grasp on feeling subdivisions of the beat, that metronome is not going to fix the fact that his eighth notes and his quarter notes all sound the same. (laughs) The metronome will not change the fact that they are blowing through half notes without giving them their second beat. Your student needs to fully understand and be physically able to execute the rhythmic nature of their work before that metronome can truly serve its purpose. Does that make sense? Likewise, if your student's physical technique is hindering their ability to play more virtuosic passages, (laughs) that metronome is not going to fix that. In that case, your student is going to become increasingly frustrated by what they perceive as an inability to, like, get it right. That's when the metronome becomes the enemy. All of these elements, rhythmic understanding, technical facility, articulation, etc., those all need to be well ingrained in our students' minds and bodies before the metronome can be an effective tool. I am hypothesizing today that there are two ways to utilize the metronome in pieces our students are learning. Okay, two basic ways that we use the metronome in our repertoire. First of all, I think we can use it to confirm our students are maintaining stability and consistency in their tempo throughout a work. In other words, playing your piece, or even better, portions of your piece with the metronome can make you aware of tendencies to speed up or slow down. Now, you already know this. This is the big one, right? (laughs) Again, it doesn't correct the inconsistency. 
but it gives us information. It tells us where those moments of instability are. Secondly, I do think the metronome offers the most quantifiable data that we can ever obtain as musicians, meaning there are so few areas of developing musicianship that feel concrete, right? We can't put numerical scores on much of anything our students are learning, but we can indeed say, okay, this week, the tempo of your sonatina is consistent at 99 beats per minute. Then the next week, we might be able to say, hey, great, you can now play this movement at a solid 106 beats per minute. This is actually one of my very favorite aspects of the metronome, friends. Students of every age appreciate measurable progress especially our adult students, as well as our teenagers. This is not to say, of course, that faster is always better, because certainly we want to negate that kind of thinking in our instruction. Nevertheless, we all know how this works. It's true of our own practicing, and it's true for our students. If we are practicing consistently throughout the week, <laughs> that's an important one, but in that case, it's easy to lose sight of our progress, right? It happens slowly, day by day by day. But after seven days of inching along, our teachers absolutely hear a difference. Now, as a teacher, this is something I always struggle with because my students sometimes don't believe me when I tell them how much progress they have made. That's where consistently tracking metronome markings can come in really handy. They can see that number is increasing. And even better, they can track it themselves day by day by day at home on their own. I often encourage students to find their like true speed for a piece, knowing exactly where like one click of the dial is going to make the wheels fall off the cart, so to speak. <laughs> when we find that number, it's always encouraging to notice how quickly they can attain a new number with carefully focused practice. So, it obviously sounds like I am super pro-metronome use over here, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I am, to an extent. But I also want to spend some time today on the list of ways I believe we misuse the metronome. Are you ready for it? <laughs> here we go. Number one, we misuse the metronome when we follow the metronome. You guys... We cannot just turn on the metronome and mindlessly follow it. Rather, we need to do something to internalize the metronome's pulse while it is running. When that metronome is on, my favorite trick is to make my students go ch 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 along with the metronome. Now, obviously, I'm a pianist. If you are playing a wind instrument, <laughs> this is not going to work well. <laughs> But being an active participant in the pulse with the metronome, rather than just blindly following its clicks, 
This is going to help make sure that you are actively internalizing the pulse and therefore making long-term change. The absolute bonus of this practice technique is this. I can still quietly go as I perform. So if I have a passage that has a strong tendency to veer off pulse, no one will notice while I do that. It's a trick I've used myself countless times to anchor myself to the beat. And I have my students do this all the time. Okay, metronome misstep number two. Setting the metronome to only small pulses. Basically, I'm saying this. Don't only set the metronome to the quarter note pulse. First of all, we all realize how hard it is to stay with the metronome when it's clicking away at 200 beats per minute. (laughs) That is just too much information to compute. Also, you know that complaint I mentioned at the top of this episode about the metronome stripping our work of all musicality? This is how you do that. (laughs) Playing beat by beat is pretty much never the goal in my book anyway. The easiest way to inject more musicality to our work is often simply to feel a larger pulse. So if you're playing in triple meter, for instance, the metronome had better be set to at least every three beats, right? I don't have to tell you how infinitely more pleasing it is to listen to then right? We all know that. So friends, set the metronome to the bigger pulse. You can call it the macro beat if you're a Gordonite or whatever you want to call it. But friends don't let friends play beat by beat. Think bigger. (laughs) Metronome misstep number three is very direct. I think metronome use is generally best in small doses. So sitting down and playing an entire sonata movement with the metronome has not proven to be very effective in my experience, even when employing my little trick. (laughs) So rather, I find passages of 12 to 16 measures somewhere in that general vicinity to be the best solution. It keeps the concentration fresh and it just keeps the brain from slipping into autopilot mode. So that's it. When it comes to metronome work, less measures is more. So I actually have quite a list here, but I know time is ticking, so I'm going to leave you with one more metronome misstep. Number four, don't overuse or underuse the metronome at any stage of learning. Again, it's one tool that can enhance musical performance. It offers accountability. I think it has its place at nearly every stage of learning, though its most traditional uses are more effective at that intermediate and advanced level. So let's consider a beginner student. There are lots of opinions about beginners and the metronome, I know. (laughs) 
So in general, do I ask my early elementary players to play their pieces with the metronome? No, I don't. <laughs> Hardly ever, in fact. I think it encourages playing beat by beat, and I don't like it. <laughs> now, do I get parents who bring their students back to their lessons and say, well, Johnny wasn't counting this part right, so we brought out my old metronome. <laughs> yes, I definitely get those. And for the record, I still contend that metronomes will not get Johnny to notice the half note in measure three. <laughs> but let's face it, kids are fascinated by the metronome. They love it. And will I miss a chance to help a student develop a healthy relationship with this thing? Definitely not. So what do we do? Well, I will give you one idea to get you started on your own. It's no secret, I love drums in my studio. I have several and I use them all the time. The ones that I use are linked on my favorites page, which you can actually find in the show notes for this episode or at christinawhitlock.com favorites. I love to have young students pat the beat on a pair of bongo drums, for instance. We do this a lot. As a student expresses interest in the metronome, I will often let them try tapping along on the bongo drums with different metronome markings. You already know this, that students are fascinated with the extremes on the metronome. They love going really slow and they love going really fast. This can be a great way to show students how slow tempi can actually be very difficult to maintain. It's also an easy win to help them understand that faster tempi can be accessible. All that to say, learning to drum along with different metronome markings, then for the record, turning the metronome off and seeing how well they can maintain the beat that's very informative for you as the teacher. Okay, well, there are many more thoughts rolling around my brain around this topic, but I need to let you go so we can get on with our good work in the world. Before we leave, let's hoist our glasses, real or imaginary, into the air and give a toast to us. friends from all around the world. Today is all about rethinking our approaches to traditional elements of the music lesson. Are the things that worked for us in the past still working for us today? Or is it time to explore some new ideas? The things that we've avoided in the past, do we still harbor the same sense of disdain for them? Or has our teaching evolved to a point where we might want to reconsider? I know I say it all the time, but I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> our teaching should grow and change and evolve throughout our careers. This is a good thing. It's not always comfortable, but it is good. And with my most heartfelt sincerity, I am here for you, cheering you on as your anytime piano teacher friend. Here, here.
controversial accountability tool, please reach out and tell me. <laughs> you can message me on Facebook or Instagram. You will find me there at Beyond Measure Podcast. And you can always email me at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. As of the time of this recording, the doors to this round of the Studio Foundations course are still open for a couple of days. So if you want to join us for a deep dive into what you truly believe about this art of music teaching, check out christinawhitlock.com foundations or find the link in the show notes. Our September meeting of Teachers Teaching Teachers over in the Patreon community will meet one week early this month on September 22nd. So don't miss the chance to hang out with some of the best teachers I've ever met through this community. Find out more in the show notes for this episode. Onward and upward toward better use of our studio tools, my friends. Take care of yourselves out there. The world needs you.